Well, it is good to be in the house of the Lord today. If you have your Bibles, I would ask that you go ahead and open them to Acts, the second chapter. Acts, the second chapter. This is our focal passage of Scripture that we've been dealing with the last several Sundays. If you remember, over the last three Sundays, we've discovered some interesting truths or characteristics really about God's church. We've discovered that God's church is a believing people. But not only are they just a believing people, they are also a worshiping people, and they are a Bible people. Last week, we looked about the centrality of God's Word in His church and how we as God's people must always be holding up the Word of God. That is so important in our lives. The Word of God must be our guide. It's what provides direction for our lives. We looked at that great passage of Scripture that's found in Hebrews, the fourth chapter, where it says that the Word of God is living and powerful or active and living, is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it has the ability to bring about conviction in our hearts and our lives. There is a power in the Word of God that has the ability to change our lives. And if you are a believer this morning, you are a living testimony of how the Word of God can take an individual and change his life. Isn't that true? Amen? We've all been changed by the Word of God. And the greatest testimony for the validity of God's Word is the changed life. It is. We have been radically changed through the Word of God. Have you ever noticed that it says in the opening chapter of the book of John that Jesus Christ was the Word? Have you ever noticed that? He was the Word in human flesh. The word there is actually logos. It's incarnate. He became the word. Jesus became the word. He is the word in human flesh. And so we see that very clearly in Scripture. There is a power in the word of God. Now, I want us to go to this passage of Scripture because I think today we're going to discover another truth from God's word concerning the church. And so if you have your Bibles, Acts, the second chapter, we've been reading here for some time. So I just want us to go back and review these words that Luke speaks in this passage. We're going to begin in verse 41, and we're going to read down through verse 47 this morning. I want you to listen to what Luke says here. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Now, we've looked at that, and we've talked about the word that they received was the message that... Peter preached in chapter 2 of the book of Acts. And as a response to that word, as faith, their, their trust in Jesus Christ, they became believers. Now listen to what he says here in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, don't miss that right there at the end, all right? Did you hear what Luke reported for us? And he said there at the very end, and the Lord added 
to their number day by day those who are being saved. You know what's most amazing to me about this passage of Scripture when I look at it? Is how Luke starts the passage and then how Luke finishes the passage. Do you see that? Look at what he says here at the beginning. He said, so those who received his word were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Now look back again at verse 47 with what he says as he's bringing this to a conclusion. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Do you see that pattern here in this passage of Scripture? Luke opens with these words that the Lord added to their number. Then he brings it to a conclusion that once again, God added to their number. When I read those words and I see that phrase there, it's easy for me to draw the conclusion that this group of people were a group of people who were sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with the lost and dying world. They were evangelizing the lost. Would you agree with me on that this morning? How else would God have added to their numbers daily if the Word of God is not being proclaimed? Do you remember what Paul writes in the book of Romans, Romans the 10th chapter, and says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God, right? You can't come into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ without the Word of God. So what we see happening here is this church was an evangelizing people. And that's our great challenge in the world in which we live in as God's people today, isn't it? To be a people who is consistently sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with the lost and dying world. That's our challenging. In a world that is even more and more becoming more and more antagonistic toward the gospel message, don't you find it challenging to share the good news with people? Am I the only one that finds that challenging? But at the same time, we've been very clearly commanded as believers to do what? To share the good news of Jesus Christ with the lost and dying world. It's not optional for the believer, is it? No. What did Jesus say in Matthew, the fourth chapter? Come follow me, and what? I will make you fishers of men. So can we draw the conclusion this morning? If we're not fishing for men... We're not following, right? Can we draw that conclusion? Yeah, that's scriptural, isn't it? Isn't that what God's Word teaches us? Jesus said, come follow me, and this will be the natural result. You will fish for men. If you're not fishing for men, if you're not sharing the good news, if you're not proclaiming the gospel message, you are not following. It's that simple. Those are not my words. Don't look at me and say, oh, well, preacher, that's kind of harsh. Those are the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our Master said those words. Not me. Come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I don't know about you, but when I hear those words, those are some of the most convicting words in all of Scripture, are they not? I don't know about you, I'm not always fishing all the time. But shouldn't we be? Shouldn't we be? Yeah. I would draw the conclusion this morning that we should all, if we are believers, should be making Jesus Christ known to a lost and a dying world. It may not look the same for all of us, 
We may not choose to share the gospel in all the same way, but it still doesn't negate the fact that we should be sharing the gospel. Isn't that true? We've been called to be fishers of men. So now what I want you to do, if you would for me, just turn over one chapter. For me, it's one page in my Bible, maybe it's two in yours, to chapter one of the book of Acts. And I want you to hear the challenging words of our master, Jesus Christ. These are the very last words that he would speak to his apostles before he would ascend to heaven. I think you would agree with me this morning when I say the last words that people speak to us sometimes have the greatest impact in our life. Isn't that true? For 40 days, Jesus Christ has spent time with his apostles. He has been with them. He has walked with them. He has ministered to them. He has shared with them the word of God. He comes to the very last words. And do you know what he tells them to do? This is what's amazing to me. I want you to listen to the words of Jesus Christ. Verse 6, chapter 1. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now listen to what he says. I like his response here. He said to them, It is not for you to know times or season that the Father has fixed by his own authority. When I read those words right there, this is why it just jumps out. It is so easy for God's people to become distracted by things going on around us. Isn't that true? Yeah, I think Satan loves it when he can keep us our focus off the main thing. When he, when he keeps our focus off that which is most important, making Jesus Christ known to a lost and dying world, I think he's sitting there and just having a heyday clapping. You know, we're so good sometimes at theological debating about this and that that we miss that which is most important. The gospel is what's most important. There can be nothing more important than the gospel message about what Jesus Christ has done for us at the cross. Don't be sidetracked, I think is what Jesus Christ is telling his apostles. And I think that's what he's telling us today. Don't be sidetracked. Those things will get you off a track if you're not careful. Now listen to what he says here. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So this is what Jesus says to his apostles. He calls them all together. He's been with them for 40 days. He calls them together for one last time before Pentecost happens. And he says, this is what I want you to focus on, guys. This is what I want you to do. Now, this is what's going to happen. You're going to go back to this upper room that you've been in. You're going to have this prayer meeting. And what's going to happen is the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to receive power. And when you receive that power, you know what's going to happen? You will be my witness. Do you want to know what the true indicator of being filled with the Holy Spirit is? It's not to do crazy things. It's not to jump up you. It's not to fall out in the middle of the aisle and flop up and down like a fish. The indicator that you have truly been filled with the Holy Spirit is you are telling people, you are announcing the gospel message to a lost and dying world. What did he say here in this passage of Scripture? He said the Holy Spirit's going to come, and when the Holy Spirit comes, you will have power for what purpose? To be my witnesses. Did you see that? 
Do you want to know if you're truly filled with the Holy Spirit this morning? Look at your life. Are you boldly proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world? If you're not, you're not truly filled with the Holy Spirit. That's, that's scriptural right here in this passage of Scripture. We see it. Did you hear what he said? He didn't say you ought to try to be a witness or you should be a witness. That's not what he said. Did you get that? It's easy for us to gloss over those things and miss it at time. This is what he says. What's going to happen is you will receive power when the Spirit of God comes on you, and this is the natural result of that. You will be my witnesses. Do you see that? There was no doubt about it. There was no questioning it. This is the result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. You will be my witnesses. Man, those are some shocking words, aren't they, when we read that? I think there's so much confusion in the world we live in today about what it truly means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But the true indicator of being filled with the Holy Spirit is I am a witness of Jesus Christ. As I am going, that means no matter where I'm at, as I'm living life out here in this real world, as I'm going to school, youth or children, as I'm going to my workplace, as I'm going down the block, as I'm meeting my neighbors, I will be making disciples. Do you see that? That's what Jesus said. You will be my witnesses. That word witness is a very unique word here in the Greek language. Actually, the word witness is where we get our word martyr in the English language. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear that word martyr, it kind of it has a negative connotation in my mind. The first thing that I think of is a Muslim terrorist that's getting ready to commit jihad in the name of Allah. But you realize, really, the word martyr means so much more than that. It means much more than just dying for your faith. You want to really know what martyr means when you are martyred for your faith? It means you live for it. You don't die for it. Now, as a result of living for your faith, it may cause you death. That's true. But to be a martyr is actually to live for your faith, is what it is. This word is a powerful word, and it has such depth of meaning. Let me share with you quickly this morning just two things about this word. I want to make two statements about this word, martyr, or the word witness. Number one, a witness is a person who has surrendered their life for a greater cause. Listen to that one more time. A witness is a person who has surrendered their life for a greater cause. Isn't that true of all of our lives? When we gave our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ, didn't we surrender to the cause of Jesus Christ in our life? 
Isn't that what that means? Think about it for a moment. Paul says in Galatians, the second chapter, in the 20th verse, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. Paul had surrendered his life for a greater cause, for the cause of Jesus Christ. Paul said, I have died to self, and I have given my life to Christ, is what he said. I would say this. Every believer are to echo those words in the life that they live. Our motto ought to be, we have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. It is Christ who lives in me. We should be a walking, talking witness for Jesus Christ. Isn't that what we should be? Yes. We should be a walking, talking witness of Jesus Christ. That means we should be willing to surrender control of our lives to Jesus in order to bring others into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. A Christian witness is someone who shares the love of Christ in an unselfish way. Now that's what a true martyr is. A witness is a person who has surrendered their life to a greater cause. But not only is a witness just someone who has surrendered their life to a greater cause, a witness is also someone, a person, who shares a message. Would you agree with me on that this morning? Isn't that what a martyr, a witness does? They share a message. Our task is to communicate, not to convert. To share, not to save. Only God can save someone. In John, the sixth chapter, Jesus Christ said this, It is the Holy Spirit of God that convicts and draws a person unto a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We simply have been called to the task of proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. We can't save anyone. So a witness is a person who shares a message. They are a witness of something, and as a result of witnessing that, what do they do? They go out and they share what it is that they have witnessed. Isn't that what Jesus Christ was saying to his apostles? Power, the Holy Spirit will come and you will receive power. And when you receive power, what will happen? You will be whose witness? His witness. Not their own witness, right? They would be a witness of what Jesus Christ had done here on earth. So let me ask you a question. If that is true, if we have been called to share a message, the question we need to ask ourselves this morning is this. How do we do that? How do we, as God's people, share the good news of Jesus Christ? I want to give you three hints that we receive from the Bible about how to share our witness. First, we should share our witness with boldness. With boldness. That word boldness means confidence. Means confidence. It's used on more than one occasion in the book of of Acts. And each time it's used, it's used to refer to the early Christians. 
want you to listen to one of those times that it's used. Listen to the words that are spoken here. It says, when they had prayed, the place where they were gathered was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. Now I want you to notice something in that passage of Scripture. Did you notice in that passage of Scripture, their confidence was not in themselves. It wasn't in their own ability. It wasn't in a slick presentation or any eloquent speech that they had. What was their confidence in? Their confidence was in what? The Word of God. The message of the gospel. That's where their confidence was in. They believed that there was a power in the gospel to change a person's life. And if we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, it has the ability to what? To take a person's life and make them into a new creation. They believed that. There was a confidence not in themselves. There was a confidence in the Word of God is where their confidence was. We should share the gospel with boldness. But not only should we share the gospel with boldness, we should share the gospel with deliberateness. The early Christians were intentional about the gospel message. I think it's so important for us to realize the message we share is a critical and urgent message. Think with me for a moment. Can there be anything more critical or more urgent than a person's eternity hanging in the balance? No. There is nothing that can be more critical or urgent than where a person will spend eternity. Do you know that God's Word teaches us that the person who is apart from Christ is under the wrath of God? Did you know that? Yeah, in Romans, the first chapter, that's what it teaches us. To be apart from Christ means to be under the wrath of God. I want you to think about that for a moment. That ought to compel us. That ought to drive us. That ought to motivate us to take the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. When we look at the world in which we live in, where there are billions of people who don't know Jesus Christ, I would even tell you this morning, you have neighbors that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They are hopeless. They are helpless. They are wandering aimlessly in the world in which they live in. They are living under the wrath of God, and we have the cure for their problem. Don't you see that? Do you see that? Listen, folks, there are not many roads that lead to heaven. There's one road that leads to heaven, and it goes straight through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through Him. Do you see what I'm saying? We have been given the privilege... It is a privilege to make Christ known to a lost and dying world. Listen, folks. Personal evangelism is more than just building a relationship with a lost person. No one will ever get saved by simply watching your life. The gospel must be proclaimed. Paul said, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. 
You can live a good, clean, moral life. You can live a Christian life. And I'll promise you, if you never give voice to the gospel message, people will still die and go to hell. That is the reality of God's Word. Do you see what I'm saying? We must share the good news with intentionality. I don't know if you're like me or not. But what I've come to realize is this. When I don't make the gospel intentional, I don't share the gospel. Is that true? Yeah. We must be intentional about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's urgent, folks. It's critical. People are flaunt, they're dying around us and they're going to an eternity in hell because they have not known or they do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. He is the only hope for the world that we live in. He is the hope. The hope of the world. Number three, we must see each occasion as an opportunity to make Christ known. While I was living in Zambia, I had an opportunity to take a group of street vendors through a verse-by-verse study of the book of Acts. And I really think God taught me a lot more than them. He opened my eyes to some things that I was just blind to. And one of the truths that he opened my eyes to was this truth. Every occasion is an opportunity to make Jesus Christ known. Think about it for a moment. Wasn't that true in the life of the apostles in the early believers? In the temple, they shared the gospel. Before the Sanhedrin, they shared the gospel. In prison, they told people about the gospel. Before rulers and kings, you know what they did? They shared the gospel. One of the clearest examples of this found anywhere in the Word of God is found in Acts 21. Paul has just finished his third missionary journey. He's returned to Jerusalem. He's gone up to the temple to worship. When he goes up to the temple to worship, the religious leaders and the Jews accuse Paul of defiling the temple by bringing Gentiles inside. So they take Paul out by force. They throw him down on the street in front of the temple. They are beating him. They are kicking him. They are picking up stones, getting ready to stone him to death. And then a centurion and a Roman guard come to his rescue. They arrest Paul for inciting a riot. They're carrying him back to the barracks. Do you know what the Jews are doing and the religious leaders? They're following close behind. When Paul gets to the barracks, the doors of the barracks, he looks over at the centurion. You know what he says? He pleads with him. Let me share with them just one word, please. Just give me an opportunity to share with them. Now imagine this in your mind. Here is Paul. He's been beaten. He's bloodied. He's bruised. He's battered. And you know what he does? He shares the gospel. He shares the gospel. And there are people sitting in our churches every Sunday who refuse to share the gospel because they have a fear they're going to offend someone. Oh, God, forgive us. Forgive us. Do you see it? These people saw every opportunity as an opportunity to make Christ known to a lost and dying world. Even if it cost them their life, they were willing to do it. They were willing to do it. And there's people every day who won't share the gospel because it makes them feel uncomfortable. 
I'm going to tell you something. The early church, they were an evangelizing people. They understood that Jesus Christ had left them with the task to make him known to a lost and dying world. Several years ago, one of the mainstream news outlets had a segment on their evening news entitled, Everyone Has a Story. It was a segment about a news reporter who traveled the country finding unassuming Americans. He would learn their story and then he would weave it in such a way and he would share it on the evening news. It was a powerful piece and it was entitled, Everyone Has a Story. Now, I want you to look at me this, after, I mean this morning. If you're here today and you're a believer, I will tell you, every believer has a story. Your story is called your testimony. It is a story about who you were before you met Christ, what happened when you met Christ, and what's taking place in your life since you've met Christ. But if you are a believer, you have a story to share with a lost and dying world. If we love Jesus as much as we say we love Him, don't you think we would desire in our hearts to let people know what He has done in our lives? I don't know about you men, but when I met my wife, I told everybody about her. You know what I'm saying? Don't, don't look at me like that, men. You know what I'm saying this morning. You couldn't wait to tell people about who your bride was going to be, right? I challenge you this week to find one person that you know to share your story with about what Jesus Christ has done in your life. How He has changed you and made you different and new. As a matter of fact, we're going to have a hymn of invitation this morning. And I challenge you to make that commitment this morning. To take out a piece of paper to write down a name of a person you know who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, you put that name on there, and during our invitation, you begin to pray and ask God to open the doors for you this week to share with them your story of how Jesus Christ has changed your life. And I want you to look at me this morning very carefully, everybody. If you're here this morning and you have no story, I'm telling you, you're in a dangerous place. You're in a dangerous, dangerous place. Because the Bible very clearly teaches us to be apart from God is to be under, I mean, to be apart from Christ is to be under the wrath of God. And if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I will promise you, if you know Him, you know Him. But if you don't, you know that as well. And I'm challenging you this morning, if you are here and you've never given your heart and your life with G to Jesus Christ, I'm challenging you to let today be the day. Because one day when you stand before God, the Bible tells us everyone will be without excuse. It doesn't matter. 
doesn't matter what excuse we can come up with. It will not be good enough. If you're here this morning and you don't have a story, you can have a story starting today by giving your heart and your life to Jesus Christ, by coming into a relationship with Him, by turning away from a life of sin and turning to Jesus Christ in faith, believing, trusting that He hung and died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins. The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you're here this morning and you don't have a story, I want to invite you to come during the hymn of invitation so I can share with you how you can have a story about how Jesus Christ has changed your life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father God, we thank you for your love and the way you've spoken to our hearts through your word. Lord, your word is powerful, it's acting, active, Lord, is sharper than any two-edged sword, has the ability to bring about conviction in our hearts and our lives. Oh, Father God, I just pray that your spirit would have your way in our hearts and our lives this morning. Right now, if there's someone here in this place who has not trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I pray today would be that day that they make that decision. They would turn to Him in faith and realize that there's a loving God who has provided a way through Jesus Christ for them to be saved. Lord, help each one of us to take serious our commitment to share the gospel with the lost and dying world. We pray this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.